to show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Off the Mats Podcast. And it's me, it's Dante, as usual. This week, I'm going to have Coach Phil Schwartz from 10th, Pat, 10th Planet Portland on as my guest this week. And I got fussed at a little bit about uh, having have my guest on, not from any of the listeners, but by a friend. They're like, oh, cool. You're having um, Black Belt on. Coach, cool. I was like, hey, so uh, you might want to talk to him about more stuff besides jujitsu. And I was like, oh, okay. And then when I reached out to Coach Phil, he was like, look, man, we can talk about Dr. Strange. I was like, love to hear it. Because guess what? He's got an opinion. So do I. So we're going to get in here and nerd it up. Welcome to the show, Coach. How you been? Hey, I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. No, no, no. Thank you for making time for me and, and being my guest here. I appreciate it. So I think I, you're I think you're right about that, by the way. I think that a lot of people do talk uh get get kind of tired talking about the same things and in interviews and and hey, what's your story and where'd you come up and what's your you know, what's your origin story? You know what I mean? And we've seen mm-hmm. we've heard the origin story enough times, you know, and, uh, I'm not Peter Parker. We don't need to hear my origin story six more times. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's when, when I was told that I was like, Ooh, you know what? You're right. Because every time they do a new Batman movie, we get to origin each time. And it's like, how many times are we going to shoot Martha and Thomas? <laughs> Kill so, him again. Kill like, him again. <laughs> as soon as they say, so we're redoing Batman. And all you can hear is in the collective comic comic book world, Thomas Wayne saying, fuck. <laughs> I'm sick of getting shot. So we're we're gonna skip all of that. Um when you reached out to me and said you want to talk Dr. Strange or you're willing to talk Dr. Strange, I was like, good, let's go. So uh how do you feel about it? The new one or the first one? Uh let's go both. Uh the first Doctor Strange was one of my favorite comic book movies of all time. Nice. Um, I actually saw it the first time in England. Uh, Nathan Orchard and I were in England because he was getting ready to compete at Polaris and he was going to fight uh, Imanari. And we had uh, just completed his weight cut, which was a brutal weight cut. Uh, he had to make it down to like 150 pounds. Um like 16 pounds of weight to cut um and we had we had made it and we treated ourselves to a steak dinner and we went and watched dr strange and i thought it was you know fantastic i thought it was so great um the more recent one on multiverse of madness um i thought it was good but i i I was kind of hoping for more you know i kind of wanted more and what led me to want more was um, I got really into the What If series, you know? Yeah. And so getting into the What If series, um, I kind of, we saw like the introduction of the multiverse and kind of where things might be going in the future um, of the Marvel. And, you know, I mean, of course, there was like so much fan service 
in in multiverse of madness like introducing characters you know we saw reed richards we saw uh you know xavier we saw um all these kind of people that we've been like holding our breath to see on the marvel screen you know and then we saw them all wiped out like pretty pretty quickly um so that was like it was like i mean now we know that once they've been introduced we know they can come back we know there's other universes and other planets and so whether it's whether things are gearing up for uh secret wars or whatever you know whichever way that that they're going with the series um it was exciting but at the same time it was a little bit of like a a, of a tease for me because i i really wanted to see you know more of those characters on screen for longer you know yeah i think that's kind of a the overall consensus is there was a hope a huge hope for the second one i know with the first one it's funny because the first one a lot of people laughed at it before it came out people are like oh that's going to be dumb dr strange even in, in me growing up with the material and being i wasn't a crazy dr strange fan but i was aware of them but even i was like uh i mean they've done well so far they've tied it all together so far i mean hell we got ant-man so it can't hurt to have dr strange but I didn't see it in theater. I waited. I I remember after training one night, it just hit Blu-ray. And I'm driving home and I was like, you know what? There's a Walmart right here. Let me just hop inside. I'll go ahead and pick it up. And I still didn't watch it. I think I bought it probably a week after it came out. And I still didn't watch it for like maybe two months. I was at work one day. And it was a slow day. So I was like, you know what? I brought the disc with me, popped it in. And it, it because I was at work, I was forced to pay attention. Because if I'm not paying attention, I actually have to work. And I, I didn't want to do that. So <laughs> That's called like, multitasking. <laughs> well, if I watched it at home, I was going to be on my phone. I was going to, you know, I have a basement full of action figures down here. I'd be, you know, reorganizing the action figures. It, I would be doing anything but watching the movie. So I watched it at work and I loved it. I was, I was blown away. It just, they, this, they did so many cool things that just made me think, Oh wow. I need more of this character. Like as soon as possible. So that first one, great. The second one, because how this world is being built, you know, where it interconnects through all these other films and more often than not, it builds up to something bigger there was this huge hope that, you know, we're going to get like, we have the multiverse, but we're, you know, a lot of fans are hoping we're going to really dig into the multiverse and, and start opening up these portals. And, and, you know, we got Charles Xavier. So everybody's thinking, okay, yes, we're going to get the mutants. We've already got Scarlet, Witch, who's, I, I guess in the comic, I don't know. She was Magneto's daughter. Then they retconned it and said she's not. I don't know what the truth is anymore, nor do I care. I stopped messing with the comics many years ago, and I'm going to keep it that way. But, you know, you essentially have this this pathway to introduce these mutants, and that's what everyone wants. Everyone's wanting the X-Men. Everyone wants the mutants. We get Reed Richards. I, I teared up a little bit. I, did. But, I, loved, I loved it, especially the casting. I thought the casting was great. Yeah, absolutely. I actually forgot that. Or so I want to say I forgot. With all the rumors coming out about the movie and who's going to be in it, John Krasinski was never mentioned. He was fan cast 
for so many years. Fans wanted him as Reed Richards. And when they showed, you know, when he, when uh, Mordo says, and the smartest man in the world, I was like, holy shit, they're about to do it. You know, it's Reed Richards. And then they showed him. I was like, the theater I went to was empty because I went on a Thursday afternoon and opening day. I think there were 10 of us in the theater and I was sitting in the back row in the middle by myself and a tear rolled down my uh, cheek. I was just like, oh, wow. And then they killed him. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, <laughs> well, okay. I guess <laughs> no high hopes there. Um, so, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where like sometimes they have to show you how they want to show you how powerful a certain character is, you know, but like, and I understand that Scarlet Witch is a very powerful uh, character, but it's like they run, you run into these problems sometimes where it's like you make someone so powerful in one scene and then five, three scenes later, you know what I mean? Like you're defeating them with some, some yeah. other mechanism, you know? And it's like, it's like, well, Hey, how could, how can she just, she just obliterate all of these like other powerful uh, uh, heroes and then, and then end up like uh, end up falling herself, you know? Yeah. That I just felt like the story was relatively disorganized and a little weak. Also, I want to go back to something you said before, which was sometimes I feel like uh, the first Doctor Strange was an excellent standalone. Like it stood on its own, you know? Mm -hmm. And sometimes uh, we get the sense in the Marvel or MCU that sometimes we, we see things that come up and they're really just, they really just are holding a place or, or helping to expand the project for a bigger vision or a, a bigger, uh, a bigger introduction that's coming later, you know? And that was kind of how I felt about Multiverse of Madness too, was that I felt like this wasn't really a standalone film as much as it was. It wasn't even really a continuation of the Doctor Strange storyline as much as it was, you know, bridging a gap between a story that they want to tell and where they were previously. Yeah, absolutely. I also feel like because of what Marvel Studios has set up, there's an expectation that all these movies have to connect this way now. And I I don't dislike it, but I also like the idea that, you know, sometimes it's okay to just have a movie by itself and, you know, not expand. You, you know, you could have like kind of like Captain America Winter Soldier. That's a movie I can watch over and over and over and over. And you don't really need to watch any other films to really connect it. Maybe the first Captain America. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, you don't have to watch anything afterward. You can let that movie sit and not be anything more. But with that movie, you get Doctor Strange mentioned. Um, you get the introduction of the Winter Soldier, the introduction of Sharon Carter. You know, you get things set up, and that's okay. Sometimes that's all you need is just the small nuggets to set something up. But you don't need to necessarily have every movie be this this big bridge to connect to others. And, and I get where they're trying to go with it, but now after this film... 
you know, my question, at least as a fan, is okay, where do you go with that part of the story? Because next we have Thor, um, Love and Thunder coming, and then Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. And then after that, I believe Captain Marvel 2, Marvels, and then uh, possibly Guardians 3. So it's like you've got all these other films now lined up. But a lot of stuff is happening in space now. We're like, we're yeah. in the, we're in the, the, like, we're not just tied to Earth anymore. You know, things are happening out in the, in the galaxy, you know, whether it's Guardians or Thor, Love and Thunder. Um, mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see kind of how they tie it together. I think you're right, though. I think that they, they've put this, they've kind of established this um, expectation that everything is going to connect and that now, as an observer, as a viewer, we're like, we're not satisfied if it doesn't connect or if there isn't some sort of, of a, a larger, larger tie-in that we're expecting, you know? And uh, again, like, will, will this all build up to some sort of uh, something, you know, like the Infinity Saga again? Are we going to see, you know, that many heroes on screen again, you know, in some sort of uh, conflict? Between between multiverses, I honestly hope that they don't. Well, not for a long time, at least. Like you mentioned, Secret Wars, and that's an excellent buildup right there. But that's under the ideal that you get a true multiverse um, set up, where you know you can get introduced to Miles Morales, you can get introduced to spider gwen you could get introduced to the x-men really you can get introduced to uh spider girl uh spider-man's daughter mayday parker you know you could get introduced to a lot of different things through secret worlds and if they have battle world and everything and kind of go from there you've got so much you can play off of that but that's also something that you have to slow roll you have to cook that just like they did with Infinity War and then ultimately Endgame. And even with Endgame, I felt like Infinity War, I thought was great. Endgame, I thought was good. Mm. I, 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 I'm crazy about time travel and the time travel stuff just really stressed me out because it was like, I don't know how time travel really works. I don't think any of us do. But the way that they're playing with time travel is like, I don't know that that's how that goes. But they, they kind of explained it away because it's like, well, if you do it this way, you're creating a new reality, which, you know, they explain that, they say it. But then at some point, it's almost like they kind of throw their own explanation out the window because here we are still in the here and now. And everything is cool in the gang. But they made some big changes in the past. Right, you know, so there should have been things that should have had repercussions in the future. Yes, and I don't know. It's you know maybe maybe that'll get explained in some other property. I mean, a lot of Disney Plus shows, you know, you have secret secret invasion upcoming. You know, you can possibly toy with it somewhere. Now you have what if season two, Loki season two. Um, Loki was cool. Yeah, that. That was a, yeah, it was good. Wow. 
that was like that was like unexpected you know yeah it i felt like loki was similar to the first guardians movie where it was a sleeper hit that no one knew what to expect and then when we get it we we're just like wow can we have more so <laughs> I, what was your least favorite of the marvel tv shows oh i don't know because i like i've liked them all a lot so far but i was most excited for wandavision just because scarlet witch is my favorite one of my favorite characters mm. um so i wanted to see where that where that went vision is one of my favorite characters too so i wanted to see where that went and it, it got weird a lot of people weren't crazy about it but i loved everything about what they were doing and what they're kind of posturing towards uh but i can't think at least favorites maybe hawkeye and that's not to say that was bad i enjoyed the hell out of hawkeye yeah but when you're comparing it to loki what if wandavision uh falcon and winter soldier and that falcon and winter soldier it grew on me mm. it wasn't my it wasn't my favorite the only it, 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 it took me a long time to get into it. it was slow in the beginning i might say that might be my least favorite and the reason being is because i wanted more story on bucky mm -hmm. so i hope we get a second season and they dig more into his story so yeah we'll we'll say falcon and winter soldier is my least favorite but again it's not that i didn't like it i enjoyed it a lot but i just felt like we needed more bucky um what was your uh favorite out of the ones that we have so far i think my favorite was probably what if followed by loki i think those were my top two those were the two that just kind of because see one of the things that i i really i one of the things that i really like and also dislike it has to be done correctly but i think one of the most powerful trends in comic book properties right now is taking us somewhere adjacent to the storyline that we already know and i think that like let's take let's take like mandalorian for example right okay. what's so great about the mandalorian it's adjacent to all these other stories that we already know but it's not a story we've heard before right i prefer that to something like the saga of Boba Fett, or uh, I haven't watched the Obi-Wan Kenobi show yet, but you know, I think that it gets really dangerous when you go and you explore some a character that we already know a lot about, you know? People tend, tend to be more picky about mm -hmm. that. Um, I think that there's so much room inside of a universe whether it's mcu or star wars or whatever it is to go in there and to play with things that you know for example again in mandalorian in mandalorian when you have certain characters show up that are you know classic star wars characters and they show up in mandalorian everyone's really excited and they're hooting and hollering um yep. but that's not the whole show it's just like it's just like a fun crossover event, you know? And so for me, What If and Loki felt like that because they took us somewhere where we were like, like the whole, the whole TVA, the, 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 um, the, 
there the scene in Loki where uh, the guy opens the desk drawers and there's like 30 infinity stones in there. I was like, Oh my God, this is awesome. You know, because here we've been led to believe that, you know, these are the most powerful things in the universe. And they're just like basically paperweights on this guy's desk, you know? Yeah. And, um, and then leading up to, you know, uh, to kind of like the, the timekeepers and, and, you know, this, and then, and then, everyone kind of realizing that they're that even like what they think is true, isn't true, you know, um, about the nature of the universe and the nature of reality. Um, and, and Loki kind of using his, uh, classic, like, uh, questioning and not trusting and, and wanting to, you know, wanting to like, to like dive into the answers, uh, to kind of like get deeper into that. I just, I just really love that ride. Uh, and then with what if it was like, you know, it was just it was fun to just see uh, all those all those possibilities, because I felt like, you know, what if kind of going back to what you said about time traveling, you know, what if showed us, hey, here are the things that could have happened in yep. these al- in these alternate scenarios and alternate realities, you know, and then full circle, you know, we, we actually saw a lot of that come up into multiverse of madness because there was some connections to some of these characters that we had captain carter and all that kind of stuff you know so sure um there was it was cool to see uh alternatives to what the 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 normal uh storyline is you know not just not just a further expansion on what we already know and expect that's the the key thing right there is expect that's that was a slippery thing when the MCU started when they opened up with Iron Man. I know myself. I wasn't a big Iron Man fan, but I any, any of the movies or just the first one? Oh no, no. I mean, like the the character oh, uh, okay. pr- prior to the movie. I, I love the first movie because I'm a big Robert Downey Jr. fan. I don't want to say a big fan, but I, I cheer for that dude. When he was he was, he was great. He was so good in it. Yeah. It was like, you know, growing up, seeing this guy go through his struggles. And then when they brought him on, it was like, okay, you know, I was like, I hope this works for him. I hope it works out. And it did. I think there's a question that comes up a lot. Usually uh, I've noticed this question comes up surrounding Batman where people say, oh, is he a good Batman or is he a good Bruce Wayne? You know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah. I think that Robert Downey Jr. completely embodied Tony Stark, like to the point where he owns that character now, you know what I mean? It's hard. It's hard to see Tony Stark as someone other than Robert Downey Jr. You know, they, it'd be hard to recast Tony Stark. Uh, and it kind of makes sense why they had to kill him off because it was like, you know, how are they going to, how are they going to, uh, recast him in, in, you know, in, even in another universe, you know what I mean? People, it almost is, people wouldn't want to swallow that, you know? Um, and Iron Man, I mean, anybody can be Iron Man, really, because it's just a suit with a voice, you know, but yep. but in order to really own the character, it's like you have to be you have to feel Tony Stark, you know, um, yes. and and uh, I think that I think that he he crushed that, you know, kind of all or all around. Um, and I think that, you know, like, again, contrasting that with the latest Batman um I did. I didn't love Pattinson as Bruce Wayne. I didn't think he was a great Bruce Wayne. 
No. I thought, I thought he was a decent Batman, but I didn't think he was a very good Bruce Wayne. I, I think that was almost kind of the thing they were going for, though. They they really didn't want him as Bruce Wayne. They wanted to make this a Batman story. And Bruce Wayne was more of a background entity. And to some degree, it's like, well, that works. Because yeah. as Bruce Wayne, I, I, I can do without without him as Bruce Wayne. As Batman, he was fine. I was okay with it. I, I didn't hate it for sure. But, it, you know, anytime he was Bruce Wayne, I was just like, okay. Like, it, and, and, you know, you they try to touch upon, you know, the trauma, you know, and, and you know, the years, you know, that he's grown up as he is. But you get to a point where we've seen the Batman story so many times. And even when they did the Dark Knight trilogy, you know, Christian Bell, and it wasn't necessarily a younger Batman necessarily, but it was still, you know, the the beginning parts. And you still got to kind of see this guy is still tortured by this, you know, to this day. And it, it's almost kind of like with this Patterson version. It's like, we don't need any more of that. Just give me the detective because that's what they were wanting to focus on was trying to make this more of a you know showcasing his his detective abilities and i was like okay cool let's go and it was I, fine i was actually going to bring that up that was the thing that i actually appreciated the most about the movie was that was the return to batman as detective um mm -hmm. you know and and not so much uh just a crime fighter or just a you know someone out on the streets like like hunting bad guys um but like it, you know i mean it, that's 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 the truth of batman's character is that he yeah. he sees himself as a detective um and you know um i've 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 always appreciated that part about his character you know even even when it's even when sometimes you know he's even too smart it seems like sometimes he's yeah. too he's too good you know i mean he's a he's got a little bit of that sherlock holmes uh uh vibe of of just being almost too on the on the nose you know yeah there there's always this debate in all the the different groups was like well batman could beat anybody with prep time and it was like yeah i mean sure you know the argument you know or the debate i should say you know comes up where it's like who would win in a fight, Iron Man or Batman? And then it's who would win in a fight, Tony Starks or Bruce Wayne? And it's like, you know, ultimately, you know, when it comes down to Batman, people are always saying prep time, prep time, mm -hmm. prep time, prep time. Whereas with Iron Man, I mean, he's in a, a robot suit. <laughs> it's like, if you don't have your prep ready for him, you probably don't stand the chance. But Bruce Wayne, like Bruce Wayne, at his, uh, are you? Were you a fan of the Batman the animated series? I I watched it, but I didn't really get into it as much as I got into X Men and Spider Man. Okay, that was like my childhood was like Batman the animated series and Superman, uh, and uh, you know, I mean, Batman out even you know Bruce Wayne outside of the suit is still a martial artist. You know what I yes. mean? Yes, he, he's a he is a. A, a trained martial artist in the suit and out of the suit, you know, it's not the suit that makes him 
you know, that gives him his fighting abilities. You know, Tony Stark's a playboy outside of the suit. He's also a martial artist as well. Is but he? I think I think Bruce Wayne has more in his in his pocket. I think he's got the edge on Stark outside yes, of the suit. Correct. And and that's always a debate that comes up back and forth. It's like, well, look, in the suit, I'm gonna give it to Iron Man out of the suit. I think Bruce Wayne takes it. And and the thing is too, I'm, I'm trying to think like Bruce Wayne traditionally in the comic is about six foot four. You know, he he's he's a you know, big dude. He, he's no small fella. So you couple that with his dedication to, you know, just anything he puts his mind to, he, he's going to become the best at it. So, you know, you factor those things in and Tony Starks, I don't know what his, his, uh, you know, what his height is and, you know, what his weight would be. But I just feel like Batman has the size advantage and probably the skill advantage too. Just slightly on the skill advantage, I think. In uh, in it's it's just you know when when we have these hypothetical debates, it, it does start coming down to well, what things you know, especially like, I guess you know when you speak with you know anyone that does martial arts versus somebody who doesn't do martial arts, and it's like well. You know, he can do this, 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 and that. And it's like, well, that's not how that would work. But <laughs> it would more than likely work this way. And chances are that fight's going to go to the ground. And, you know, then we go from there. But, uh, you know, I, I guess when it comes to the actors who have played these roles, especially lately, I don't think Robert Pattinson has done. As, as a matter of fact, I believe there's a big uh controversy about him not wanting to put on weight at yeah. all then and matt reeves was not happy about that uh he wanted him to bulk up yeah just not not much you know just kind of you know add a little mass to him and he was like no i don't, I don't want to do that so hmm. it's like okay i guess whereas you look at affleck affleck went and got all of the steroids and said you know what I'm going to make this the, yeah, you'll see me as Batman. You'll see me in my cloth suit and it won't matter. Uh, but the funny thing is with all of the justice league actors, I think everyone was working on some martial arts, except for Affleck. They, did you like, did you like Affleck as Batman? I liked him as Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. I thought he had the Bruce Wayne look down, but he looks like Bruce Wayne. He looks like what you would say, a Bruce Wayne would look like. Mm -hmm. I didn't hate him as Batman. I I don't know that I loved him as Batman. I would like Every, to see everyone him. said he was stiff, right? Yeah, it just felt a little like I would have loved to have seen a solo Batman movie just to get a full feel for him. And his uh his his Batman was very uh technology driven. I mean, not that Batman's always technologically driven, but he was especially, he was really heavy with the tech. Yes. Yeah. It was definitely heavy handed in the tech. Now, uh, this was another thing that I've, I've been looking forward to and I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are. Hmm? Batman beyond. Do you think they're going to do it? Do you think that they'll bring back Costner? I, I mean, uh, Oh, um, I mean, um, Keaton. Keaton. I mean, I mean. So, it, 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 
it's tough to say with Warner Brothers and what they're doing because the difference between Warner Brothers and Marvel Studios is that Warner Brothers, they're in control of all their properties. So they can do a Batman Beyond very easily. They can do uh, uh, Infinite Crisis. They can mm-hmm. do Crisis on Infinite Earths. They can do mm-hmm. whatever the hell they want to do without any pushback from other studios. So as it relates to Batman Beyond, I feel like they understand there is a want for this. There's yeah. a popularity to this. But I also think that Warner Brothers, I think Warner Brothers looks at the comic book properties right now as they're, they're, they're catching on to the train now. But when the MCU was moving along, they tried to catch on late. And when it blew up on them, I think they felt like, you know what, maybe we shouldn't put as much money into this or much effort into it. And it's like, well, no, you just got to get the right team. Make make better movies. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I I feel like a Batman Beyond movie bringing Keaton back would kill. Kill. It, 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 like, it'd be so much fan service, so much love. It, but the thing is, it has to be taken care of. It has to be appreciated by the director. You can't just let a guy go in there and, and nitpick and change it all up. You have to you know, let them come in there and appreciate what came before and, and go to the source material versus just saying, you know what I want to do? I want to change this up. I, you know, I, I want to make, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I want to make them black. You know, yeah, I, I want to make Batman, you know, I want to make Bruce Wayne black now. And it's like, well, wait a minute. That's that's not the source. It's just like with Spawn, when 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 they changed uh Spawn's best friend. I cannot I can never remember his name, but they made him white. And it's like in the movie, you, in the movie, yeah, you mean? Yeah. From it's the like, from the comic book to the movie. Correct. It's like there's I don't like like I don't like when they change things up race wise for characters. It's just it doesn't make sense. So um, you know, I wouldn't want them, you know, not that there's any rumors that they're gonna do that with uh uh Terry McGinnis or or um Bruce Wayne, but sometimes studios just like to get cute. Well they and, there's there's that cultural pressure now where it's like we just can't make a movie that's got five white leads in it. You know what I mean? So it's like, this guy's got to be, we got to change this person. We got to change that person. We got to change this character. Or like, um, yeah. uh, what was this movie? That was, was oh, um, you know, like, uh, it was it was interesting. That I was watching this movie recently, uh, or actually the HBO series uh, Chernobyl. And um, okay. yeah. it was really good. And there was this one female scientist and um, I was thinking like, you know, this seems like this character seems kind of, uh, she's very like, she seems like very um, like front and center in a kind of like, uh, like girl power kind of, kind of way, you know? Yep. And then, and then later I read up on it and it said, oh, like she's not a real character, but she's a a collection of, she's made to represent a collection of people that were like 
you know what I mean? And it's just like yeah. they're they just kind of they kind of smash things together um, to it's like, hey, look, like if if the story is that three white guys went to the moon, we can't we can't change the history. You know what I mean? Like the history is the history, like, you know, and yeah. I don't know, like, would you. OK, if they made Terry McGinnis black, would you have a problem with it? I actually would. You wouldn't like it. So my thing is, let the source material be what the source material is. If if you want to make, if you want to put a black character front and center, then use one of the other black characters. Static Shock is a great character to utilize. Black Lightning is a mm -hmm. character they had the series for him. That's another great character to utilize. Uh, uh, Lucius Fox, uh, his his grandson, I believe, Lucas, mm -hmm. build off of him. Mm -hmm. But don't take a character that's already, you know, one race and then make him another. Just like in the Fantastic Four when they made uh, Johnny Storm black. Mm -hmm. and it's like, no. But then they kept Sue white. And that's what actually frustrated me more. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, and, and I've, I've said this before with being, you know, a kid through adoption, like with the family and whatnot. And my brothers, you know, my blood related brothers were with me uh, in foster care. There's a different connection there between my, my younger brothers and I versus our foster family who love and care for us as well. We love them, too. But that bond isn't as strong as that blood bond yeah. and that's not always the case with everyone blood relation i get that but it's like when you take those two characters johnny and sue and yes they adopted her and they raised her it, it's like the, a piece of that is taken away when when you add that factor in there and whether they were doing it to you know make the adopted kid group feel like you know they have a place in film i don't know because that's that's always the thing now with films is like trying to make someone feel recognized you mm -hmm. know and, and it's like look that that's fine you know for the right film but you can't just cram that into fantastic four i mean it was a shit film anyway mm -hmm. but the, the point is though it's like just changing races of characters for the sake of changing the race of the character it, it, it doesn't help anything you know if like when they did Black Panther, that was perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. It was like okay, now we get it. Like let's not make any more changes. Just just like T'Challa, he's black. Killmonger, he's black. Mm -hmm. Mbaku, he's black. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Leave it that way. You know, and e even with putting Bucky there as the White Wolf, perfect. That mm -hmm. that's good. Let's 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 keep that running. Uh, you know, and again, like I said, I don't think there's any rumors for, for them to change Terry McGinnis, but I just feel like this Some, day and age like that could happen. Yeah. I, I just want them, if they're going to take that property and make it work, treat it with love, but also Warner brothers has a bizarre history of just starting something and then not giving a damn down the mm. line. We saw that with suicide squad. Mm, so, mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. That was another weird one. And I liked, I liked, I mean, I technically liked the second Suicide Squad more than the first, but <laughs> yeah, but it was still strange. Oh, you know what I did love though was Peacemaker. So I started it. I haven't continued, but it looks, 
it's fun. It's I fun. just haven't had the time to because my wife she works nights, so we don't we don't get a lot of time to sit down and watch uh, shows and movies other than Friday night. She gets home and she's exhausted, you know, because she gets home from work on a month, uh, Friday morning, and she homeschools our daughter. So she's go 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 go. And once once I get home, we put the kid down for bed. She's out. And then Saturday, you know, we'll try. Then we're trying to play catch up on all our shows on Saturday night. It's like, oh, you know. And sometimes on Wednesday, you know, t- like today's Wednesday, we'll we'll uh, we watch Ms. Marvel. We'll watch Obi Wan later on today. So is that the rule? You guys got to watch together, huh? Uh, we don't have to, but we try to. We, you know, we try to because she she's into a lot of this as well. So the rule is for us at least if we started it. They continue it if we're both into it. Mm-hmm. I think like Bubba Fett, we she. I think she was into Bubba Fett, and I just I I was like I'm done. I couldn't even I couldn't even make it past episode three. Yeah, I think that was my cutoff. Was I? I don't even think I made it halfway through three. I was just like I, I'm out of here. I, I have no interest in what's going on. I don't care. You can't make me care. And you know, I I, I think we had missed several weeks. My wife goes, "Do you want to?" finish up Bubba Fett and I was like not really <laughs> like I have the internet I'll just go read the cliff notes but but that's one example there it's like if, if one's filling it and the other one's not then we just tell them like look you can go ahead and you know finish up like we're trying to watch the boys I love so, the boys yeah, so season three we started the mm-hmm. first three episodes mm-hmm. i think they dropped we haven't watched episode four we got to rewatch three because i think she fell asleep halfway through three so we'll rewatch that this weekend and then watch episode four and then i guess five on saturday but you know we're, we're trying to we try to kind of keep things in that pocket where if we started it we want to finish it together but if there's something like bubba fett or even ms marvel i i get it it's not for me is cute. I, I, I get the audience that it's for. I'm just watching it to kind of interconnect with the rest of the stuff. Um, that's but, the other. That's the other problem is the you know the MCU kind of has this arrogance in a way that there's an assumption that you're going to consume everything that they put out in order to be up with the storyline. You know. Yeah. And I would so much rather consume something like the boys which is smaller and more defined and just like like you said like it's really take like it's really cared about the property is really cared about and like another example is like invincible i loved invincible um but you know there was no expectation that i was gonna have to watch many other movies and series to understand what was going on or to feel relevant in the storyline. I can just watch a couple of episodes and, and uh, I can just watch a couple of episodes and, and like really enjoy what was going on. And like, I thought that there was an interesting, um, I kind of felt like the boys and invincible kind of coming out around the same time uh, started to break down this wall you know, that we only expect superheroes to be good and perfect. And like part of, part of what's interesting to us now, I think is to think about all the ways that 
you know, maybe maybe the the more human isn't the right word, but to think about the the imperfections that superheroes have too, you know, um, and I, sure. I think that that's a really interesting uh, uh, side side view that we are often not shown because we're often only shown, you know, the the best parts of everything, like like the um, the moment in. I forget which one it was, but where where Thor was, we had Fat Thor. You know what I mean? And he's just yeah. he's just in Asgard playing Xbox, um, you know, and and he's kind of just fucked up because he knows that he he messed up. You know, he feels like he could have he could have stopped Thanos and he and he didn't. You know, um, and so like the the imperfections of the characters are are almost more interesting than a than a perfect character. Yeah. I think with Marvel, they they definitely try to gloss over that, and you know, like they'll give you a taste, but they don't want to spend a lot of time on it. And to me, I like to see those imperfections. Like watching the boys was great. Watching Invincible was great. And I, another thing I like about properties like that coming out is it shows you that there's more out there than just the big two. Well. Um, you know, you know, when you get to and I mean image has been around for what 25 25 years now, I think. And you know, you get things like we got spawn that you know had a movie and an animated series on HBO. They're both good. Um Wildcats was another animated series from Image Comics. Then we get Walking Dead eventually yep. and Invincible, also by Robert Kirkman. Uh, Outcast, another Robert Kirkman property that went to Cinemax. So, you know, it, it's it's good to see these other uh, third-party, you know, publishers coming out with material because, you know, sometimes you'll, you'll talk to somebody about comic books and, you know, the first thing comes out of their mouth, and rightfully so, would be Spider-Man or Batman, you know, DC or Marvel. And that's always the question too. Whenever you you know encounter somebody, the question comes up. So which one are you, DC or Marvel? Like, well, why can't I be Image or Dynamite Comics or Boom Studios? Or you know why do I got to pick? Why do I got to pick between either or? It's almost kind of like our political system. Absolutely. So you know, there's more than just the big two. There, there's a lot more to branch off into, and having the boys doing so well, and having Invincible being so loved by so many, uh, having a and even though I don't like the Walking Dead TV series, I love the comic, but still, that that publicity puts eyes on on the property, and and I like it. I, I'm happy just to have it. I grew up in LA and I grew up uh, actually right off of Sunset Boulevard and across across the street from my house was a comic book store called Meltdown Comics which isn't it isn't there anymore but it was uh, one of the biggest comic book stores and I would go there as a kid and I would just walk down the aisles and I would just flip through all the different books and just pull out things that were interesting to me and I would just kind of read through them and I, I never really was a, like a serial reader like I never read like everything in a series you know what I mean but I would always sure. read read a little bit of this and a little bit of that and um, um, you know I mean I think something that that people don't really understand is like there's 
in in the comic books there are so many stories that are told that we've never heard before you know because it's yeah. because we let in comic books you know we let authors and artists go and tell a story that they want to tell you know and i was really always really into the dark batman stuff you know what i mean i was sure. always really liked that because i felt like we always got kind of a censored batman you know but there was non-censored batman out there too you know and the walking dead was a good example of that too because it's like that was a i mean that was a brutal story it's only it's only a brutal story you know yeah um and and i think that there was a time when as consumers people weren't really in touch with how we wanted to see the, to hear these brutal stories you know and almost hopeless stories you know almost a story yeah. of of diminished hope um and and now i think that there's there's networks that have have kind of grabbed onto that and they've seen that actually there is a demand for this or people do want to to kind of hear hear some of these more brutal stories and you know we we i heard when the you know when the newest batman came out people said oh my god you know finally a brutal batman you know finally a a, a mean batman you know he's really hurting people you know um so i wonder with that though too is it you know because when you, when you take using batman as the example let's go back to the batman of the 60s with with adam west the you joking know, batman yeah, and, and and comic books were meant for kids you know comic books were only for kids and you know now you take these properties you got to make the property fun for kids so you watch batman it is super colorful and and all the care all the villains are extremely animated and and funny and silly and and just so corny and then you get to you know as time goes on you get to uh frank miller you know, he's doing Batman and Daredevil for that matter, mm -hmm. uh, changing both the, the trajectory of both those characters. And then, you know, we're still kids around that time. But as we get older, there's still kind of some remnants of of that hanging around. And then, you know, as we're getting older, we get we're seeing Punisher now and and Azrael and, you know, we're seeing Joker, you know, beat robin a robin to death with a crowbar you know so you're seeing these 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 stories that are a lot more uh mature but i wonder if that's you know as we're growing with the stories the writers are growing as well and saying you know what our audience is changing our audience is growing mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. we you know let's let's kind of keep keep the ball rolling i remember i want to say maybe 2014 maybe 15 in that window, I went back to picking up comics, Lucy's, single issues. And I picked up Spider-Man, Miles Morales, and I, I, I bought three issues of it. And I started reading it. And I was like, holy shit, this isn't for me. Like, because, you know, Miles Morales is a teenage kid. So they're telling the story of a teenage boy and he's hanging out with his friend and, you know, they're getting into hijinks, but he's still got to be Spider-Man. And I was like, okay, this story, I was like, it's fine, but not fine for me. So then that's where it clicked. I was like, wait a minute now. Let me go pick up Batman. Oh, we got, you know, Batman year, um, zero year in, in, you know, DC Comics. And, you know, that story's a little bit more grittier. You know, death of the family. 
where you know Joker's tormenting everyone, and it's like okay, I get it now. These characters that we grew up with have grown as well, mm-hmm. and not just on page but also on on film in some ways. And you know they still have the stories there for the kids. Like my daughter, she loves Spider Gwen. She loves. My daughter's a big fan of the DC superhero girls and the Teen Titans, Teen Titans mm-hmm. Go, stuff like that. So it's like, okay, there's that material for them, and they'll grow at some point. Because she's seen, uh, I have uh, digital comics, I have Comicsology, and she's flipping through, and she'll see that girl. And she's like, oh, I want to read that. I was like, no, baby, that one's, you're not ready for that one yet. Mm-hmm. She likes Batgirl a lot, but it's like, you can't like this Batgirl. Mm-hmm. You know, she'll see Joker and Harley Quinn. Oh, I want to read that. Baby, you can't read those right now. Yeah, she's like, okay. And then you know, she's she's learning to read. So it would that that's freaks me out because she's been like over my shoulder reading text messages. Like as me and my wife are talking about what are we doing for dinner, and my daughter's like, We can have what's P-I-Z-Z-A. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's pizza, baby. That's pizza. Oh, oh, we're gonna have pizza. It's like, yes, baby. So now mm-hmm. we can't keep can't keep secrets from this kid anymore. <laughs> but that's fun. She sees the comic books and, you know, she's like, oh, I want to read those. Like, well, those aren't for you, but, you know, here are the comics for you. But again, there's going to be that growth with her and and kids of her generation in the comics as well. And I feel like the the studios have kind of tapped into that a little bit. And I I think Marvel has even kind of caught on to it with Moon Knight and and who knows what they're going to do with Punisher upcoming. But and they're bringing back Daredevil, so I like the idea that they figured it out. I just hope that they kind of continue because they know that they're losing viewers to the boys, and part of them, I'm certain, is like, you know, how are we losing to Dynamite Comics? Like, like we're we're Marvel, like we're billion dollar properties left and right. Meanwhile, the boys is on Amazon, and it's fun mm-hmm. and it, it, it's almost like it's irreverent also it, it just it feels like truthful you know it feels yeah. like you know what this is what it would possibly be like if superheroes were around they'd have egos they have emotions they have feelings and you know responsibilities and irresponsibilities so it, it's more, it, it treats them more like um like a professional athlete or like a professional, mm-hmm. like a movie star, you know what I mean? Yes. Where the, where there's, there's all these teams and publicity teams and management teams and like all these kinds of people who are like cultivating their, uh, you know, their image publicly. Right. Um, but really they're, they're shitty and they, they do, they do hit and runs and they do, they commit rape and they, you know what I mean? Like they, yeah. They're doing all these terrible things that that, uh, you know, we know that our a lot of our heroes are guilty of, you know what I mean? And it gets yeah. swept under the rug because of their status, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, but that's a that's the thing to be spoken to, though, because, again, that's the world. I, you know, I have friends who they grew up on comic books, you know, again, as kids. And they kind of stuck back to that. So when they see something like Daredevil, they're like, I don't want to watch that. That's violent. When they see Punisher, I don't want to watch that. That's violent. I don't watch the boys. That's aggressive. And it's like, it's the real world. That's, That's the real world though. We live yeah. in though. Like so, um in uh in in V for Vendetta, uh he says, 
artists use lies to tell the truth. Yeah. You know, that's, and that's I think us. That's on point, you know? And I think that when you, when you feel like you're being lied to, or when you feel like you're being shown something, I think as a culture, we're kind of past that, you know, like we're not as interested in the rosy glasses version of like the Superman comics of, of yesterday. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. the, everything is perfect and everything is happy. uh, And, you know, Superman is going to save the world kind of thing. Like, I think that we're kind of past that a little bit, you know, and I think that it's refreshing. It's refreshing to see something like the boys. um, Cause it shows us an imperfect world that still feels very real and still feels very, uh, you know, close to us, but it's still separated enough for us to be able to kind of enjoy it, you know, and not feel like, Oh wow, this is a little too close to home. Yeah. There's, you know, every so often it's nice to see that, you know, happy ending, the good guy win every so often now, but when, you know, you connect to reality and that's just not the way it goes. It's what, you know, kind of what we hope we, you know, we want the good guy to win, but good and bad is such a weird line because there are people doing good, things in the world that someone else might perceive as bad and vice versa. So, you know, when we say, yay, the hero wins, I mean, the boys, again, is that example. We look at Homelander. He's our hero. He's the good guy. Meanwhile, he let a plane full of people crash. You know, it's like, that's not a hero, you know, but, you know, his excuse was we can't save them. You know, in, in his mind, it's justified. Queen Maeve was like, no, we, we have to save them. She felt guilty. You know, you got the, you know, passengers, passengers terrified. And they're like, yes, our hero's here. Meanwhile, their hero just let them go. So, you know, it's like a point of view is a huge factor. And like I said, his point of view was he was right. He was justified. Whereas you're looking at it from the other side of that, that glass. And it's like, oh, my God, it's not, this guy's a monster. So. Have you have you watched the uh, you've watched a couple of the episodes from this first season? Yes, we watched at least one and two. So you saw the episode where she threatens to release the plane video, and he his response yes. was like, his response was perfect. He was <laughs> he's just like, uh, hey, if you want me to be your enemy, I'll be your enemy. You know, <laughs> like yeah, and and that's that's my thing with this season. Just got, well, and even the reaction that he when he when he went off the cuff and spoke his mind mm-hmm. and his approval rating went up uh-huh. and everyone started to love him. And uh, as soon as that happened, I was like, that is the worst possible thing mm-hmm. for the world to let Homelander understand that. Wait a minute, I just spoke the truth, and these these people love it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm gonna do this more and let them see the real me. It's a little bit of like a like a Donald Trump character, you know what I mean? Yes. Like like he said that he said the very unpopular thing that you thought no one would ever say on that stage, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. now instead of being repulsed by it, people are actually excited by it because they're like, we've never heard anyone say this before. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're like, we didn't think anyone could say this. Mm-hmm. So now that someone can say it, we're excited. Give us more, and and it's like, oh. Wow. And, and like you said, like with Homelander making a statement, hey, if you want me to be your enemy, that's the last thing you want is for this guy to, you know, go off the handle and, and truly become a villain because, you know, 
can he, how can he stop him? No, I was gonna say that the, the the corporate side of of the of the boys is interesting too because there's this corporate overlord, you know, uh, yes. uh, characters inside of Vought that you know they just they have so much confidence in their ability to maintain control over everything, you know, and really mm-hmm. they're it seems like they're playing with such volatile uh, elements, and yet they are so calm and and you know, it's seemingly never out of step with, with controlling all these different, like, you know, fiery pieces. Yeah. That's, that's something that stresses me out when I'm watching it. Cause it's like, these cats are super calm talking to this dude like that. Like there's no worry. And I, I you know, I don't like, I have, I think I want to say the first three volumes of uh, the first three um, trades for the boys. <laughs> And I have read, I want to say the first one, at least some of the first, I haven't gotten through all of it. Cause I, there's this running joke over here with me with comics. When I do uh, another podcast with my friends, Nerd Rage Radio, we'll ask if I read a book. I'm like, yeah, I read the first seven pages. And it's just, that's always it. It's like first seven pages. I feel like, I think I got a good grasp of the story. Like, <laughs> like, nah, probably not. But, but uh, I, I wonder what's coming down the line and why they're so calm with talking to Homelander that way, because that dude's a loose cannon. Right. And, you know, like I said, the the last thing you want is for this dude to really go off the handle and just say, you know what? Fuck all of you. I can do what I want and no one can stop me, which I guess is kind of the theme for this season. I'm trying to find, you know, the weapon that stopped um, soldier boy is like, maybe we can use this to stop Homelander. So, right. We'll see where that goes. That was another another thing that was fun about it. Uh, going back to that that plane crash that you were talking about from season one was like, you know, uh, I think Maeve says something like, "Hey, well, can't you just like lift up the airplane?" Yeah, and he, and he was like, "With what? Like, what? I what am I? I'm not I'm standing on air. You know what I mean? Like, and so there's kind of this like, like that's something that would have been a no brainer for Superman. He would have mm-hmm. just he would have just lifted the airplane. You know what I mean? Um, but, but Homelander was like, the physics of this doesn't make any sense, you know? Yeah. So in that, in that way, it was almost more real than another, you know, it was more tied to reality than, than Superman. I mean, again, he's justified in, in, in what he was saying. Cause like, yeah, like what am I pushing off of? So again, from his perspective, he's right. You know, from everyone else's perspective, it's like, eh, maybe not. I, I don't think he's right. But what was it? I, I guess the, the story of the boys actually came about right after Marvel did Civil War, where yeah. it kind of builds that question of who's right and who's wrong. You know, should they be registered? Because uh, with Civil War, how it you know came about in the comic the new warriors were now reality TV stars and they were chasing down a villain. They uh, chased them into an abandoned warehouse. An explosion took place. They killed a school full of children. And then that's where they're like, okay, these heroes need to be put in check. And, but that also gave now that, that it opened that window for another writer to say, well, wait a minute. They're right. They do need be kept in check but what if you do have them in check what if you do have you know a section here in 
you know, the Northeast and then the, you know, the Midwest and, and so forth. Um, so Marvel, again, they tapped into it, but they didn't want to go all the way in. Whereas, um, uh, what's the guy who wrote the, the boys, uh, Ennis something, something Ennis, uh, he was like, nah, let's, let's embrace all of this. Let's go. <laughs> like, let's yeah. tell the story. And like, and like, even incorporating in the like the pageant shows and the America's yeah. Got Talent type thing, the you know American yeah. Idol, you know who's going to be the next one in the seven, um, type, type, you know, like I mean, America is obsessed with this kind of celebrity, you know, and so yes. it, it only makes sense that if there were, you know, all these superheroes, and that's another thing I love about the boys is that there's all these superheroes that are just marginalized superheroes. They're not even like that special, you know? Yep. Um, and it's not like, it's not like other universes where if you're a superhero, you know, there's like this expectation that you're automatically one of the elite special people. It's like, there's a lot of superheroes in the boys that are just kind of marginalized and not really don't really have any standing at all. And it's even a threat, you know, that's even a threat that, uh, that they give to like the deep, I think in season one or season two, Mm-hmm. Where they were like, dude, we'll send you to Milwaukee or whatever. <laughs> like, we'll like, <laughs> it's messed up. They pick Milwaukee like that. I, it, Milwaukee does seem like a place that maybe mm, I don't know. I, I'm not. Let, let me chill. I don't even want to say something wrong. Somebody from Milwaukee message was like, "How dare you? We're great up here in Wisconsin." I was like, "Dude, you're in Wisconsin." Well, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure it was Milwaukee. I just that was what I, it, that it is. I think they said. Well, I'm pretty certain they said it's. Now I want to check, but I think they said Milwaukee. And like, and if not, we're gonna we're rewriting it. They definitely did. They definitely said Milwaukee. You heard it here first. Um, so, of the comic book characters that you know, we because we have so many properties out there right now. Is there any character that that you like that you think that that doesn't have a movie that you think should have a movie? Mm. A character I like that I want to have a movie. Um, I've always been a fan of the Punisher, so I do want to see the Punisher come back with the standalone. Um, I think that the Ghost Rider movie was that was made was not uh, up to this up to the standards of that character. So I think that could be interesting to see an actual Ghost Rider movie. Um, I think that. Uh, uh, Ditto uh, uh, to the Green Lantern. I think that we could see a better Green Lantern property. Um, I hope. I hope now with the the new casting that we'll see a legit Fantastic Four uh, movie. Um, I hope that that comes out. You know, based on the on the because um, you know, I mean, that was one of those things where it's like. Like you said, that could have just been fan service in terms of just, hey, we know the internet wants this, so we're going to put this on screen for 30 seconds, but we don't, we're don't, we not sure how we're going to go forward with this. But I really hope that's not the case. I really hope that they do plan to pursue the Fantastic Four. Um, and uh, it's interesting. I, I think that the MCU has figured out how not to mess up these films. You know what I mean? I think that they're yeah. I think that now I think there was a lot of time in the past when uh when these were standalone. We tried a lot of standalone films and 
for whatever reason, they they just didn't stand up the way they should have, you know. And sure. I think I think that now, um, in the broader context, that that things are being treated better. Um, so I do hope that the next Fantastic Four, like, would be would be a better story. But um, I'm trying to think of a character that hasn't been anyone that hasn't been done yet. Now I have to look around on my wall up here in the basement. You know, you know who? Yeah, you know who I've always had a connection to uh, is uh, Gambit. I've always mm. loved. I've always loved Gambit. Um, I just loved his New Orleans twang, um, and uh, I just thought he was an interesting. Interesting mutant. What did you think about the uh, the first class stories? So the X Men first class. So. I'm going to be honest, when that first came out, I had zero interest. But this was before I, I kind of had an understanding that you can have a good movie, but a bad comic book movie. Mm. They can coexist. And, and even as a comic book movie, it was still a good comic book movie. I don't think it was a good X-Men movie. Mm. I enjoyed the movie a lot. Like when I did eventually see it, I loved it. I hated it as an X-Men movie, though, but I loved it as a movie in itself. I loved it as a comic book movie in itself. It, at one point, Marvel, I'm sorry, Fox was working on, they had done uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine, and they were also working on X-Men Origins Magneto. X-Men First Class became what was meant to be the Magneto story. Mm. Um, and, and I enjoyed it. I, 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 I enjoyed getting that backstory that they created there, having Kevin Bacon as a uh, Sebastian Shaw, having Michael Fassbender playing Magneto. Going back and hunting Nazis down. Yes. It, that, was, it was, that was satisfying. It, it was just fun to see. I, and I, I wanted to see more of that. It's like, give me more of that world. And, you know, they did with You know, they had the sequels with, um, Days of Future Pass. Mm-hmm enjoyed that thoroughly it, it was so good then they did apocalypse and um i got emotional we we went to see it as a group and as we walked out my one buddy pat me on the shoulder goes dante i'm sorry i know how much you wanted this to be good oh um, no and I, I still watch apocalypse as kind of a background noise thing sometimes and then they did the Dark Phoenix again. And it's a good action movie for sure. It was well shot. There's a lot of good to that movie, except for the story. But the movie itself, as like a visual, it was fun. But it, like that set of films, uh, from first class down to Dark Phoenix, we can keep those first two for sure. And then the last two. I can do. Oh, and then New Mutants. You mm-hmm. throw New Mutants in there as well. I did enjoy New Mutants, but it was because I disconnected it from the rest of the world. I just said, you know what? This is just a comic book movie. It has nothing to do with any of these other characters. Just think of it that way. And I did. And I was like, you know what? It's fun. Uh, I like. I liked. It. I liked. Uh, I like Fassbender and McAvoy as mm-hmm. a as young. Xavier and Magneto, you know, I like, I yeah. didn't, I didn't hate that casting. Yeah. The, yeah. The casting I thought was like, 
It's like even from top to bottom, like from all the movies, I thought the casting for everyone was really good. So it's just you know, as the story started going along, the story started getting weaker. I mean, hell, they had Oscar Isaacs as Apocalypse, and it's like, dude, like I, I'll watch it. I watch that dude play any character, and I then watch it. Then he played Apocalypse. And I was like, "Fuck!" It's <laughs> <laughs> like, like, God, like, not, not, not you, Oscar. Um, but I, I enjoyed them. You know, again, first class as a film. You know, my heart is always set in the ideal of comic books, especially X Men. I was like, "Look, give me the original five in some capacity, and then let's go with the second generation, being Wolverine, Nightcrawler, Storm, Colossus, Sunfire." Thunderbird, you know, give me that Banshee, give me that group. And then after that, do whatever the hell you do. Because from there, there's so many different iterations of the team that it's just, you know, pull pull names out of a hat and you got an X-Men team. But I, I would love to see the original five story on film. Yeah. And have a genuine first class. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, out of characters comic book movie however it goes who's your favorite villain oh mm. doom nice nice love the choice there i love doom i just love everything about him i love the story i love the i love the mask i love i love the always always planning something huge you know Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a way, always secluded. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I mean, there's there's something to be said for a, a character, a bad character who hides in plain sight, kind of like a Lex Luthor. You know, mm-hmm. there's something about that where you're like, oh wow, he's a baddie, but he's he's right there in the front of everything. You know what I mean? But then there's other something else to be said for kind of a character like doom who who doesn't isn't really hiding from the fact that he's evil you know what i mean he's really he's yeah. not really shy of it you know like he he knows what he is and he's he not what afraid to let you know yeah so, how about uh, how about you uh, as far as villains go it, it gets weird because like i said that good and bad thing gets a blurred line because magneto used to always be the guy for me mm-hmm and a big part of it was, you know, in the 90s when you see him basically say, look, we're going to uh, go on to Asteroid M and have a sanctuary for mutants here. And essentially, that's what it was. he was like. Don't mess with me. I won't mess with you. It's that simple. Like, just leave me the fuck alone. And I was like, you know what? I can dig that. I like it. Then when they mess with them, he came down and, and wrecked havoc. Uh, he he just started kicking ass and he disappeared again. And uh, he he came out of hiding once more because that's that's when he was really starting to recruit and say, "Look, we're taking any all mutants are welcome to come join us on Asteroid M, on Avalon, and you know we don't need to deal with this anymore." Colossus left the X Men to join him, and. Uh, what I can't remember what he did, but it set the X Men off. They went up there after him. 
this is a an x-men number 25 magneto ripped wolverine's animanium out and and i think that's what sealed it for me because for all these years your wonder's like why doesn't he just stop wolverine he can stop wolverine mm-hmm. and wolverine went berserker went at him and magneto's like enough of your shit and even professor x warned him he was like going up there he's like look we're dealing with a different eric today mm-hmm. i don't want you going near him and wolverine was like yeah, okay and then magneto's like oh you don't listen to you and he ripped that animanium right out and god damn, dude i might have to read that today for seven pages of course for um, seven pages <laughs> But like what he did to Wolverine was so good. It just made me feel like, you know what? I, I, I like that. He wanted to be left alone. I'm all, I'm all about that life. But the fact that they didn't leave him alone and he just was like, okay, well, I'm going to show you why you should leave me alone. And he did the damn thing. And it was like, oh shit. (laughs) I think they're like, you know what? Let's just look, we're going to take this L let's scoop up Logan and all his stuff and let's get the hell out of here. (laughs) <laughs> and, and that was life so uh do they put him back together so eventually he got the animanium back but when it got back to earth his healing factor kept him alive and that's when you discover that logan so it was always thought that the claws came along with the animanium right but they were there from before yep he they're had the just, bone claws they're just coated in animanium uh one of my wolverines here this one with the bone claws. I was excited for this just because it was like, I just want a Wolverine figure with the bone claws. Mm-hmm. Um, then you start going more feral as well. So, the, you know, it added a new chapter to that character's story. But uh, Magneto just doing what he did just made it very clear I'm not to be trifled trif- with. Just leave me alone. I, I want to be here. We don't want to be bothered. And there's just so much of that that speaks to Dante that Dante loves it. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Uh, well, like one thing I think about, too, is like if you could do a podcast with any character, good or bad, who would you do that podcast with? Hmm. Interesting. Who would I do a podcast with? Any character, good or bad? Mm-hmm. I think I would do a podcast with Thor. <laughs> it just sounds fun. Yeah, that, that sounds like it'd be a fun episode. Or not yeah. just episode, a fun show, period. Yeah, I think that'd be interesting. Because I just like, I've, I, I, I mean, and I know that, you know, with the modern evolution of the character, just like the always kind of joking around, you know, never really that serious um, until he has to be. But. I think that I, I actually um probably uh the Marvel movie that I can watch over and over again the most uh probably for me the most rewatchable Marvel movie is is Ragnarok. Okay. I just I just think it's hilarious. I just think it's great. I just love watching it over and over again. Um and yeah, so I'd like to do a podcast with Thor. <laughs> The word is that I think that'd be a fun, fun show. Period. It's just like you said, with the character and the evolution of that character, 
And, and Ragnarok has, is starting to grow on me. It used to be one of my least favorites just because I felt oh. it was so detached from everything. But it was attached but detached. But then as I went back and started watching it, and you see all the chaos that's going on, but it's covered by bright colors. And it's like, oh, oh, there's the there's the bad stuff. They're killing, they're killing characters. That's what I like. Oh, and they're they're not making it obvious. Okay, I like what they're doing here. So I, I have a newfound appreciation for that movie. And like right as soon as they leave Asgard and Asgard explodes. Then yeah. they get they get boarded by Thanos like right <laughs> right immediately afterwards. It's like yes, it's, it's not actually a happy story, you know. No, not at all. And, and that's the thing. It's color. It's colored in such a uh, way where you're like, oh, look at this bright, colorful movie. You got all these jokes and all this laughter, mm-hmm. but underneath it all, you've got Thor. Uh, you know, Asgard being destroyed. You've got uh, Thor having to fight Hela. And then ultimately, you know, Odin, uh, dying. Odin dies. Um, you know, the, the like Thor's story is so unique. And I think people don't really see that growth that that character has, has t- you know, had and just the journey he's gone through. So, you know, it, it just, again, doing a podcast with that, that character would be fun to hear him go off the rails about things because you hear it in um in game when he asked him like okay thor what can you tell us about the uh the ether and then he's he just starts rambling he's like oh and then that's jane we we uh we had a fallen out mm. and then um oh and then oh this is my mother my mother you know it's just it, so it'd be interesting to like hear him go off topic and it's like then you got to reel him back in um i don't you know, I asked the question, but I never really thought about it myself. Mm. Uh, maybe, maybe Iron Man, Tony Stark. I, I think just sitting with that dude, you know, you just not nah, maybe not because you know there'd be too much tech involved. I, I want to just like I, I'm a very uh, like if. You see my setup. If you can see my setup, it's very much like there's a microphone, a laptop, and a ring light. It's I, I try to keep it as simple as possible. Like Tony Stark, we're like, okay, well, what we need here is this, 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 this. Like, okay, I'm done. Thanks. <laughs> no, stop. Uh, maybe Professor X. Yeah, but he would know. Uh, all, he would know all the questions before you ask them. Yeah, that's trash. I don't want to. I don't want to work with that guy. He's trash. <laughs> Um, trying to let, let me look around, look around my room real quick. What what figures do I have on the shelves? Uh, how far? How far? How long do you think it is before Elon Musk becomes Tony Stark? Um, I give what we're in twenty twenty two. I give it to twenty thirty before he realizes. Wait a minute, I can do this. And so eight years. So because if he doesn't do it by then, look. I am going to probably write a letter, start a petition, because there's always a petition for something. Like, like you name it, there's a petition. Like, there's a petition to take Amber Heard out of Aquaman. It's like I'm pretty sure they've already finished filming. So I, uh, I, I could see Elon Musk saying, "I am the Iron Man." <laughs> like, and, and, you know, I, I think he'd be fine at it. Uh, you know, same, same as Tony reluctant hero right it's like look I'm, I'm just doing it because no one else is going to 
I think Elon Musk is that way as well. It's like, look, if no one else is going to do it, I'll step up. I don't want to do it, but I will. So good for that guy because most people wouldn't. Most mm-hmm. people sitting there like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and avoid that. So I, I, I give it eight years before he decides to just make an Iron Man suit and first test it out. And then that's when we discover, wait a minute, we've got, you know, giant green men running around in Brazil. We've got a, a hammer that landed in New Mexico. <laughs> we got a super spy who who's, you know, uh, what the fuck does Black Widow do? <laughs> like, she interrogates people. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she gets the answers. Like when, when they called her doing Avengers, she was like, hold on, this guy's about to tell me everything. Like he's like, No, I'm not. <laughs> that was a funny scene. Um, but yeah, I, I think where we are as far as all these properties and in the comic book world goes, I think we're in good hands for the most part. The 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 studio sees the, the tide uh changing and like I say, we get you get properties like the boys and Invincible. Marvel is doing whatever it does and still succeeding. And DC, one day, they'll they'll give us what we want and do it right. So besides Batman, they always they always nail it with Batman, except for um, uh, Clooney, Batman and Robin. But otherwise, they always do well with that. Oh yeah. That was, a, that was actually a question I had for you. Why don't you think that they've had more Robin properties or Nightwing or anything? It just seems like everything's a Batman standalone right now. I don't know. Because Nightwing is wildly popular. And even Damian Wayne is wildly popular. Uh, Robin is a character that everyone knows and loves. I wouldn't say loves. But you know, people recognize and know that character. I wonder... I'm wondering if part of what the issue is is when they do the Batman uh, films. So we'll we'll go with the 90s. You know, you got to a point where you get Batman forever. And that's where you get your first introduction to Robin on film. Right. Then you get Batman and Robin. And it kind of falls apart from there. So then we get Batman. they, They tried to, it got, they went back towards like, some of that 60s Batman and Robin, and it wasn't a good look, you know? Yeah. Well, Joel Schumacher said in an interview, he made a statement. Well, not an interview. He was doing a commentary. That's what it was. He apologized during a commentary. He goes, <laughs> yeah, we were just actually doing this to sell toys at this point. Oh, nice. <laughs> so at least he's honest. Okay, you know? great. But uh, as far as uh, Robin goes, I feel like they haven't found the right story to i think they don't think that he's gonna you know connect with general audiences but the thing is they made a guardians of the galaxy movie peacemakers doing well i I think they can drop a robin film or well i mean they got titans on hbo and that goes up and down i hear good things i hear bad things i hear good things so i honestly would love to just see a flat out nightwing solo film based in chicago do what you do. Um, and, and, you know, and even if they want to build the story up, you know, put him, put him in a film with, with Batman, let us see him transition or not a film, but, you know, kind of give like the, the little montage at the beginning, you see him transitioning out and then goes become Nightwing. Cause 
I, it'd be fun. I think all these characters are fun, and we're getting a Batgirl movie, so yeah. Why why not get give us a Nightwing movie? Like, give. I mean, they should. They could build up to the whole team. They could have. Mm-hmm. They could have everybody everybody on screen at the same time. You know, yeah. if the if the if the villain was bad enough, you know what I mean. They could have. Yeah. They could have something that Batman couldn't even handle by himself. You know. I mean, I'd love to see a Teen Titans film, and they they start off with Deathstroke. And they build up the Trigon, you mm-hmm. know, in a third film or something. I think that would be fun to see. But also, I think Warner Brothers right now is kind of asking themselves, where does everything fit together? Because right now, Marvel, they put out a movie, it's going to fit somewhere. With Warner Brothers in, in DC, I think their mindset is, do we need to connect everything? Or can we just let it be? I'd say let it be. Just yeah. give us good movies. It doesn't need to be a bigger picture thing. So that's where that stands. All right. Well, Coach Phil, this has been great, dude. Like, I, I, I was nervous coming into this because I was like, how do I, how do I approach this? Like, do I just jump right in and start talking? And and it took off. So thank you for doing this with me. I, I do we, appreciate it. I think we made it happen. <laughs> definitely definitely um you got any shout outs or mentions that you want to throw out there for us oh no people can follow me on instagram uh, at phil schwartz 10p we're throwing up uh new content every day uh come visit us 10 planet portland portland oregon drop in and give us a roll and uh yeah thanks for listening all right awesome i'll make sure to put uh, your info in the show in the show notes and um, I get your posts and I, you know, I, I drop them in the stories. So thank you for, for sharing that as well with me. So um, I'll make sure to get everything put up in the show notes for you as well, though. Everybody else out there that have any questions or concerns, always feel free to reach out to me at bjj.wiki on Instagram or off the mats podcast on Instagram as well. Um, I'm an open book. You know, and and I don't have any issues. If you don't like something, let me know so I can fix it. I ain't going to be able to fix it if you don't tell me. So please speak up. Uh, big shout out to my good friends, Eric and Allie over at Armbar Attic. Uh, I'm actually wearing a rash guard right now. Just left class and I had the rash guard on. So uh, big shout out to them. Thank you for all that you do. And go check them out on Instagram under Armbar Attic. Uh, shout out to... Um, my good friends over at bjjjudo.co on Instagram as well. It's run by Amy. She's trying to trying to make it happen with some memes and, and got some merch out there. So go check out their Instagram as well. I'm going to throw up some posts for them as well. And a big shout out to Asgard503. Go over there and check out Mike on Instagram and also... Go check out the website, asgard503.com. Check out the geese. Check out the rash guards. Get yourself something. Um, Otherwise, thank you, everyone, for all that you do and always listening. You guys keep listening, and I'm going to keep making these shows. Thank you, everyone, and goodbye. They probably said... Now let me see his song.